Exciting news, you guys. We have a bonus episode for you this week. That's right. We got to interview the incomparable Kylie Reed. She's beautiful, too. Yes, Kylie Reed, author of Such a Fun Age, celebrating the paperback release of her book. Now, this interview, this Evening with Kylie was hosted by Semicolon, the only Black woman-owned bookstore in Chicago. Being a Chicago-based podcast, this is extra special to us. Yes, yes. Shout out to Danielle. Yes, owner of Semicolon. It's going to be a lot of fun. before we got our professional. Um, but <laughs> this is definitely gonna be a good time. I am Danielle. I'm the proprietress of Semicolon Bookstore in Chicago. And we have the dopest of the dope tonight. We got Kylie Reed. I don't have to introduce her. Y'all know who she is. Like y'all have her book already. Let's not waste time. We also have the Lit Society podcast. We got Kari, we got Alexis, and they're going to hey. do what they do. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm going to turn my camera off, mute my mic, and mind my business. Y'all do the thing. Thanks for showing up, y'all. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much, Kylie, for allowing Alexis and I to spend this evening with you, to ask you the hard-hitting questions. No, but just to like hang out with you, this is awesome. This is. So if you don't know, I mean, I'm sure everyone here has this book in hardcover or paperback, this one right here. And if you don't know Such a Fun Age, your debut novel is huge. It's an instant New York Times bestseller, long listed for the 2020 Booker Prize, winner of the African-American Literary Award, finalist for the NAACP Image Award for debut novel. Mm, um, mm, what mm. else? You know, it's made best right book list for countless publications, including NPR, who we trying to be like, uh, the Chicago <laughs> Tribune, Vogue. After all of the interviews and accolades, Kylie, which part of this book are you still excited to talk about? Oh, that's such a great opening question. <laughs> I just have to say, too, I'm, I'm going to be cool and be cool. But listen, for everyone here, like I discovered the society maybe a year ago. I can't remember. A year ago. And mm -hmm. like through the pandemic, like I'm nervous right now that I'm going to get too comfortable because you guys have just been like in my head when I'm on my walks and like my brain is telling me that we're friends. And, like, that's and we've like true. talked. No, I think we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, this is such a delight because you guys have really kept me company on these walks. <laughs> this is the most exciting part of my day. So I'm so excited to chat. And what am I still excited to talk about with this book? Honestly, okay. I think that so many people, we're in a really interesting time right now. And so many people say, you know, what made you want to write about race? And the truth is that I think for many writers, myself included, I never go into a book saying, okay, here's this big theme that I, that I want to tackle. One of my teachers in grad school said, you know, you can't theme your way into a plot. You have to care about the people. Mm. Start with people. And Tayari Jones says, don't write about problems. People write about people's problems. And so it was yeah. just these three people. And it was just- I mean, I heard you yeah. even do diary writing for each character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I just started with the people and I was like, I want to fall in love with these people and their faults and their mistakes and all of those things. So I think that the people and the, you know, their interest in saying the right thing is interesting to me and what words mean. I'm always interested in talking about money um, I'm always interested in talking about Black Tamara <laughs> because I think that are we all on there? Yep, yep. And you know, you know what? No one ever asked me about too is is Peter and Peter's role in this and his little dialogue in the beginning. So yeah, I'm so excited to be at this paperback point where we can dig in a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah even reading it, I'm so focused on the women. But you're right, like Peter and Kelly, like. <laughs> I'm really focused on the women around their right. life. It's not like you wrote it to be so female centric, but yeah, those are the characters because I see myself in them. Right. Of course. In all of them. So um, I want to tell you that your title is so loaded because it's like 
age is like the cause of anxiety for both um, Alix and Amira. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the reason why they have so much um, uncertainty and um, insecurities. So I wanted to ask you, how did you come up with this title? Yes. So I think you'll probably know that I was a nanny for like six years. And so whenever I was at the playground, that was such a phrase that people would use as like small talk. It was like the weather. Yeah. It was, oh, okay. oh, it's an age. And I feel like it just put me in this toddler space immediately. And I was also in this space between strangers. And I really liked that. And then I liked the fact that zooming out a little bit more, like I love it when novels have a clock on them and a character has pressure of time. Mm -hmm. And Amira has this pressure of, hey, you're turning 26. You got to figure this thing out mm -hmm. with your healthcare. And that's not really a fun age to be at either. And then Alex is also kind of saying, you know, is this as great as I'll ever be? And then there's Briar's precious age of three. There's also the time of 2015 and, and you know, people... I understand the inclination like to romanticize a little bit, like, oh, before a certain presidency or whatnot. Right, right. But, you know, it's so interesting because I don't think this book is any more, you know, timely now than it was in the 50s and 60s when most Black women were domestic workers. Right. So, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement came out, I think, 2014, 15. And I think that it's also talking about the age that these characters are in as well. So it plays on a lot of different levels. And I personally, I don't, I want to know what you guys think. I love it when a title is not in the book. That kind of makes me feel good a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was thinking of um, another Philly writer who you introduced us to, uh, Liz Moore. Mm -hmm. and how that title has so much meaning, oh, but you're not reading good. it in the book. I'm, I mean, I'm cool with the title coming up and you're like, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> That's clever. I like clever. That's fine. But this also leaves um, room for interpretation because no character is saying such a fun age and you're right. just um, projecting all your own issues into that yeah. title. Like yeah. I'm thinking about when I turn 26, Never mind. Um, uh Alexis, did you have a follow-up question? No, I do, I do, I know. Because this book touches on adulting so well yes. and so well. And so reaching that age um, when you're about to fall off your parents' insurance, just like you said, and then you're unsure of how you're going to take care of yourself financially. How did you decide to include those issues? Okay, see, these are such great questions. Um, I feel like Money is this thing in novels where it's kind of like, uh, okay, do you guys remember that movie Pleasantville? <laughs> that Girl, I didn't watch that, but I know it, I know it exists. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> it's like black and white, but then it's color. Right. But there's oh yeah, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, don't worry about it. But there's <laughs> about like you know, in picture perfect area and in, in like black and white shows that there's like no bathrooms, there's no toilets because it's just you seeing the pretty parts. Yeah, and you're not right. seeing like the real life parts. I felt like money is this thing that I love reading about because it drives so much of our actions. And mm -hmm. I felt like in your 20s, there's so many interesting things happening with money, especially from young women who go to college together. I feel like colleges have this way of making it seem like everyone's equal. Like there's always like your rich friend who's like, you know, dad like pays for you to go wherever, but <laughs> you're all at the same apartment, you're eating at the same places, you're going to the same places, and it all seems like everyone's the same. And then you get out and it's like these dramatic shifts and everyone's, you know, leveraging their connections and things. And suddenly you're like, wait a second, what is going on? And I don't know about you guys, but there was a period in my twenties. I love weddings and I love dancing. So I was like excited for my friends to get married, but then it was like, oh, my bridesmaid, this is going to be so cool. Wait, we're spending what? The dress, <laughs> wait, what? Like we're going where? The dress is how much? I have to buy my really ticket. Yeah. And I was just like, this is like, how is everyone else doing this? And no one's struggling a little bit. And this is like gonna set me back for months. And so I wanted Amira to just be a real person dealing with these things. It frustrates me so much in books and in movies when they're like, oh my God, my rent. And I'm like, what, but what is it? <laughs> right. Give me context and then translate that to what it is. Oh, <laughs> so there were so many days where I was like ironing out Amira's, you know, budget for the month and like where her rent and her phone and everything. I just like wanted to see those numbers on the page because I feel like that's what we all do. I remember the girl who used to sit next to me in college. We were supposed to be working and she was always doing her budget. And it's like, that's what's important oh, yeah. at that moment. And so I wanted Amira to 
have a realistic relation as a relationship to money as a low income person. That being said, I wanted her to be human. And when she gets $1,200 bonus, she's like, I'm gonna buy a leather jacket. Like that's that's a bad decision. It is, but we've all done it. But (laughs) that's what you're doing your twenties, right? (laughs) Extra money, spend it on what I want. I've done it. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, Uh Speaking about money, I love how Amira has this um, fulfilling babysitting job that she likes and she's good at, but it's not acceptable in society because it's not providing her with health insurance or sustainable income. How much of your own life experience as a nanny um, and any other career you had gigging, how much of that did you pour into that character? That is so real. I I feel like myself and a lot of the authors that I gravitate towards are really inspired by place. And so I did the math and I was in maybe 50 to 60 different homes in New York city in those six years, I was babysitting all the time. So I definitely took so much of the environment and put it into this novel from, you know, being with a kid. And then like, you're, you know, partying later on like a little baby sock is in your purse. And you're like, Oh, I'm wasted right now. This is from you know work to home and all of those feelings but also just the feeling of working in somebody else's home I think is really interesting because on one level like you get better at your job the more that you love a child but Mm -hmm. then you're like hooked that way Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that you can tell that child that they can't forget later you know the way that they relate to you that can be erased so so easily you know and I remember you know oh my god I'm so, there's so many like domestic care workers that I feel like can relate to this you you know teach a child to treat you with respect but then their parents are just like oh it's fine you know what I mean and like brush it off and in your setback a little bit so I definitely wanted to bring in feeling yeah, triggered like yeah like I'm sure you understand <laughs> I I just feel like, you know, it's such a complicated thing because when you use your heart in it, you get better at it, but it's easier to get hurt. No, that's the perfect occupation for this character. And then if you get let go from any other job, the business is fine. You don't, I mean, you might care about um, the people you worked with, but you don't care about that. The business will be fine. The child, you, you do pour your heart into them. And then there's issues with, well, are the parents going to be okay with what they're picking up from you? Are they going to be jealous? What if the kid accidentally calls you mama? Like all kids got an age where everyone's mom who provides them with food. Well, that, <laughs> that gets awkward. So absolutely. And like I feeling that fear of like, oh, what if my kid, this kid picks something up? I have to tell you guys this. Okay, I was babysitting for this little girl for like four years. And we played this game where it's so stupid I would like hit her with I would like get ready to he hit was her. hitting her no we had, she had a pillow <laughs> we got to this part quickly hit me, mm-hmm. and I would go I would what say, happens when people relax right? <laughs> I would say what you got come on girl what you got what you got and then she would hit me and I would fall over and she loved it physical comedy whatever so that was our <laughs> little game so then we go to a friend of hers house and there's a bunch of kids playing and I heard her playing with her friends she's four and no. I she goes, <laughs> no. She goes, what you got? What you got? Come on. <laughs> little kids when I tell you I ran, I ran. I was like, hey, girl, you're going to get me fired. Um, That's a me and you thing. That's um, not for everybody. Not for everybody. And like, mm-hmm. it's funny to me now, but at the time, I'm like, that is heartbreaking because that is me at my best. I'm mm-hmm. playing with your kid. We're safe. She's having fun. I'm good. And the idea of her repeating me like to you Mm -hmm. makes me nervous for my job. And so I wanted to really include all of those teeny little moments that seem like nothing, but, but keep you on your toes and, and do that very familiar black feeling of, oh, I got too comfortable at my job. Yeah, and there's there's no profanity in the statement. It's, it is obviously playful, but it's still something her parents might not want her to say, right. yeah, that's tricky. Mm, perfect. I remember, Kari, that you babysat Alexis. You said you, you did not. I, I don't remember doing that. It wouldn't have been something I wanted to do. It's fine. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> definitely. And it takes you a week to teach a kid to ask you something and say, please. And then in front of their parents, they say, give me that. And you go, what do we say? And the parents like, no, it's fine. It's like, that was a week of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
it's rough. It is rough. And so it's like, you go through this thing of like, oh, am I too close? Am I not too close? And, and I think transactional relationships like that are very, very interesting. And but there were families that I like felt like we are a unit. Like this is my family on Saturday nights. And that's really- That's hard too, because uh... if you're watching the kids and they come home, and you leave, it's like you leaving somebody with your kids. I felt that. I felt like I've been watching these kids while you were in vacation doing whatever. These is my children now. <laughs> and me, I'm going to leave my kids. No. And I'm like shouting things. I'm like, well, she, if you do two, you can go first. Oh, you're like, oh, do I it. mean, oh, yeah. That's, um, that's oh. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you've had that. So that's really interesting. I um, would like to hear another interesting experience. Did you have any other tell you wanted to tell about uh, babysitting or nannying? I was babysitting. This is when I'm going to let it all air out. Because uh-huh. no, I did have so many moms when this book came out calling me being like, am I in this book? Because I and like, you need to tell me. <laughs> did they read it? No, no mom. Before they read it? This is before they read it. I was like, we're cool. They're like, no, that's what I thought. We're- you were like, no, Alex, this isn't about you. I mean, this is a character named Elise. Totally different. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I remember, okay. I remember I babysat for this little girl and we were close. And she was two, three. And one day she threw her arms around my neck and hugged me. And she said, Kylie, I love you so much, but I don't love your dark skin. I was like... <laughs> Wow. Who taught her that? Who taught her that? So I was like, I got to nip this in the bud now. Her mom was cool. So she went to bed and I was like, listen, let's get awkward for five minutes and then I'm going to leave. It's going to be cool. And I told her mom what was up. Her mom was like horrified. And she said, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Blah, blah, blah. I come in the next day. There's Amazon Prime books everywhere. And it's like children of the world. We are all one. (laughs) She was trying. That's good. Wow. I think that she had heard it from someone else at school. I'm not really sure, but it's so interesting too, because most nannies that I would see were looked like me and were from Jamaica. And so it was so interesting to hear her say that. But mostly, you know, I had a good time. I like kids. Kids are into storytelling, so am I. So it was pretty cool. (laughs) Oh, that is so cool and interesting. So I really thought it was interesting how you kind of hit, well, you didn't identify the race of the characters right away, um, but you allowed the reader to use their biases to decide. What was your purpose in doing that? I feel that, you know, uh, okay, I'm very into names. Like when I was little, I carried around a name book for fun. So like the meaning behind names? Yeah, and okay. also just like genealogy and, and culture mm-hmm. and, and all the things that names carry. So I'm much more interested in a character's name and what that brings to them. Mm-hmm. Some a little bit more than what than what they look like. But with in terms of what people looked like, I feel like that's the beauty of a book a little bit is figuring that out in your mind and, and what people, you know, bring to that a little bit. Um, but I also think, you know, for Alex it's not just about, oh, I have a black woman working for me. For her, it's, I have a low income woman who depends on me. You know what I mean? I think the class and Amira's hair and her makeup and her clothes, all of those things are really, really informing who she is. And so I feel like as a writer, I try to do a very clear picture of the whole person mm-hmm. and, and how they smell and sound and all of those things. And and sometimes, you know, the face is not always the most important thing that you notice about someone right away. I love that. Yeah, I like that. Um, I like that. That's reasonable. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, too. <laughs> it's like, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, we were. We both have moments in the book where we're like, I think this character is Black. You know who we talking about, Black character. <laughs> and, and then I read it again, and you do mention it. But I don't know. It was her right. vibe. I just didn't know. So it has been such an interesting thing, you know, which I listen, like the reason I write is I love that feeling of like, I need to know what happens. Like I need to figure it out a little more. It was so interesting to see that, you know, I do say like Tantra has Tamara has locks and Amira has a weed yeah. and dark skin. But I feel like in people's reading of it, they skip mm-hmm. over it. But it's mm-hmm. kind of beautiful that they're just like, I don't care what she looks like. <laughs> Yeah, because I went back and I, I read and it said he has pale skin. I said, oh, that she does kind of describe him early on. But 
initially he was just Penn State, right? Mm-hmm. Just exactly. Penn State. Exactly. So, okay. So what about after the murder of George Floyd? We now know that was murder. Um, this book became something that people look to as a anti-racist book. Uh, how do you feel about that? And do you feel like your book meets anti-racism criteria? Do we do we have time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just we can make time. <laughs> right, the death. That is a great question. You know, I feel that last summer so many black authors were put in a very interesting position where they had written books three years ago and mm-hmm. suddenly this, the, this terrible murder brought people to their art. And I believe that you as an artist do not get to choose what pulls people to your art, whether it's the library, something they saw in the news, you don't get to choose. That being said, you know, there were a lot of novels last year by black artists and it was, this is an anti-racist book. And like I said before, I did not write this novel saying I'm gonna teach white people something. That was just Mm -hmm. never something that I, I wanted to do. And I don't like my writing when it's polemic. That being said, you know, there are so many white women when I was on book tour who were like, I am going to give this to Amanda in accounts table. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. I love that. That being Mm -hmm. said, you know, I think a lot of black authors, myself included, had to reconcile with the fact that, you know, for me, racism cannot be solved through consumption. It just can't. Mm. It, you cannot redistribute power by buying a black book. Not all black books are anti-racist. You cannot solve these bigger problems by filling your shelf up with books that maybe you read, maybe you didn't. And so it's difficult mm. to say, okay, my book is complicit in someone saying, how do I, what do I, oh, I bought this book, Whew, I'm good. <laughs> and it's like a bomb in that way. And so it's, which is interesting to you because this is a novel about people who love to discuss individual actions and what they say and what they don't say. And that is what people in my book are obsessed about. As a human, I don't care. I want people to have health care. I want people to have <laughs> subsidized childcare. And, you know, mm. there's, I wish we were at the place where we could focus on the teeny tiny words. We're just not there yet. I think mm. we need to focus on keeping people alive right now. And so it's been an interesting thing to see what the book what role the book has played in that but I think all black authors can do is focus on their art and make sure that they don't take on that educator role when they're Mm -hmm. writing fiction I think you can learn from novels but if you want to learn about race pick up a nonfiction book find a sociologist find an anthropologist I would not always go to fiction books Mm -hmm. because if you're learning from black Tamara I'm Don't learn nothing from Black Tamara, okay? <laughs> nothing. You can't do it. And so and I have had people like, Tamara was a boss. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> was she? And now I wrote the book. Now she... <laughs> we must be talking about a different Tamara. I know. So that's, mm-hmm. that's very, very fascinating. But you know what? As an artist, the fact that I'm even involved in this conversation is a privilege. And so mm. whatever brings people to my novel, I will, I will take it. I love that. Can yeah. you give any advice to uh, writers who are working a nine to five as you were uh, trying to make a living while they're writing? Yes. Yes. Okay. This is like almost emotional. <laughs> yes. When I was working <laughs> my five, which was an 8.30 to 5.30 and I had like a 40 minute commute. It was so much. Okay. Someone said to me, don't get good at things that you don't want to be good at. Like mm. I really love to please. Like ever since I was little, I'm always like, trying to get an A and like whatever I'm doing. But if that's pulling you away from the goal, which is writing, like, don't worry about being the best. I was a receptionist. Like, I don't need to be the best receptionist. I really wish I could have had that information early on. <laughs> Huge. Honestly. Because it's like, well, wait, why am I like stressing about being so good at this job that I actually don't really want? And there's nothing wrong with having a job that you're like, this is my rent. And that's it. I think there's so much that's totally fine, but just focusing on what you want to do and getting good at that thing. I used to write every Friday night, I would stay at the office and I would take the really big, pretty office and 
order myself food and just write for <laughs> five hours. Of course. But I'll tell you this, I, I lost some friends. I, mm-hmm. they would say nothing is due for you or, you know, but it's my birthday. Why can't Oh, you nothing is due for you. You don't have a deadline from an, an external source. Oh. Why are you blowing me off? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, and I had to mm-hmm. really to it because if you blow it off for one thing, then you'll do it for everything. Mm-hmm. And I just had to say Friday night is the night where I just do writing and that's it. And listen, that's all I did for two years. And then I wow. called grad school and I got rejected. So it was like, wow. oh, my Friday nights were for nothing, but that's not true. Yeah. You were getting out all of those bad habits and making sure that you're understanding who you are as a writer. And like, that built up my writing just as much as the next year did, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I would say to stick to really clear boundaries if you're a new writer and know like tonight is the night. And even if it's like, I'm not turning out like so many words, but I'm just sitting here focused on my writing and I'm not looking at my phone. That's a good night right there. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that's vague, anything that's like, I'm going to read more or I'm going to write more, put a page number, put a word count, like hold yourself accountable in numbers for sure. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's like achieving goals, like kind of the mm-hmm. basics of achieving goals, set it and don't Do forget it, it right? Mm-hmm. Follow through mm-hmm. on that. So how can your friends get mad about that? I would be have mad. a goal. I know you would be, but I'm talking <laughs> about other friends. Oh, some of those people showed up at my book launch. Yeah, that <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I know you was doing something. This is what you was doing. <laughs> Why didn't you say? Because all I you had to do is say it. No, I did not. No, <laughs> I'm working on my goals. Can I just say that? and it's difficult and it's like you have to really compartmentalize all of those things especially when you don't have something but like I have to say it is so touching to look back on the friends who like everything was a word doc when we met Mm -hmm. and they just took it seriously Uh and that was you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. those friends will stand out for sure Uh Mm -hmm. so what are you reading right now Okay, do you know what I read though that I loved? I think maybe we talked about this. I loved Convenience Store Woman. Uh, I love We did too. I love Have you read Sayaka Murata before? No, this was my first one. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Anyone who's listening, please go read it and then listen to Lit Society's episode on it. It was Yeah, read so it. Good. good stuff. I love reading about work. And she was just, it was so funny and yeah. honest. And it was just like when she would say certain things, I'd be like, oh, Kiko, don't say that. And I was like, oh, but I think that all the time. <laughs> exactly. It was so, so good. Let me think what else am I reading? I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. That was a great book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is one of my favorites. And my students tomorrow are doing a flash fiction contest. 99 um, Stories of God. Yeah, there are 99 short stories in here. Her name's Joy Williams. She lives uh-huh. in Arizona. She's great. What else am I reading right now? What are you trying to think? What else am I reading? Oh, I just did another Audible book. I did, uh, what's it called? I had never read Animal Farm. <laughs> I read it last year. And then I listened Are you to- into history? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That book, though. I loved it. Wasn't it great? I was cracking <laughs> up. I was laughing so much. I listened to it and it was really, really great. Um, and then did I do another one? Okay. I also did Evicted by Matthew Desmond. I don't know if you, well, you guys have Milwaukee roots, don't you? Am I right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He is a sociologist who studied a bunch of families who were super low income in Milwaukee. It was one of the best audible books I've listened to. Oh, wow. Say it one more time, please. Matt, Matt Desmond, Evicted. Yeah. Okay, thank what you. What are you guys reading? You guys are never not 1984 reading. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, George Orwell, my introduction was Animal Farm. I only pretended to read it in high school and then like picked up Spark Notes. So when I read it and was really into um that's George Orwell, right? Animal yeah. Fire? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this will be my second book, 1984. I'm really excited to see what type of satirical took take he um took on this book. But yeah. Yeah, what about you, Alexis? What are you reading? Um, hmm, hmm. You know what? Right now, just 1984. Oh, I had okay. a busy work week, so I, I mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to like, pick up anything. You do a mm-hmm. book a week, 
kind of, don't you? No, mm-hmm. not kind of. We do. And it's too much. So y'all listen to our show because we don't know how long we can keep this up. <laughs> and speaking of our show, <laughs> for anyone that listens, you know that I love to put Alexis on the spot with questions and games for which she's not prepared. This is my and we dream. like to do the same with Kylie Reed right now. With- so no. is it just Kylie and I'm not no, included? No, no, I'm explaining the rules. Okay, <laughs> two minutes, two minutes. I'm sorry. Oh, ooh, ooh, I'm getting, the, I'm signed to wrap it up. Two minutes. Okay, listen, so we're going to play a game here called Culture Tags. Have you heard oh, of this? Oh, my goodness. Oh, what is this? All right, so this is how the game works. I'll hold up an acronym and tell you, without spoilers, who from such a fun age would have said this. This is so fun. And you have to guess what the acronym is. And you're playing against Alexis. No, All right, Kylie, I'm going to leave it all to you. because. No. I mean, if I don't know it, do you know how embarrassing that is? <laughs> yeah. You can always say pass, um, uh, but if Alexis shouts it out first, she won't. Then she gets the point. Okay, y'all ready? Here we go. For shame. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> this is what Amira would have said when she was like trying to, um, come on, y'all. It's like, <laughs> come on. Uh, nobody... Give me something. I don't know what that is. I know what the word says. Are you serious? Okay, so um um okay, so Amira would have said this when she was like trying to make enough um dough for work, but it um it was like money. All right, do y'all not know who take? No. <laughs> uh, reading every yes. afternoon okay. morning. Wow. Okay. Um, when they was in the grocery store at the beginning of the book. Oh. And, uh, and they oh, heard with oh my god it okay uh, oh, somebody in the comments answered the last one can I go back to that yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, um Whitney Houston came on and uh Briar was like what y'all doing and they was like this I love I love to sing almost oh wow really okay group effort good job good job this is what um this is what peter should have been thinking when he said that that boy should or that girl should call her dad he should not he should have been thinking you you this you should have been and this is also about um like in this acronym is also like what such a fun age is and you don't decide what's inside by what's on the front you get it no, you have to give a clue that we might know. Okay, two Can more. you start that? Okay. I got a clue we so, might know. Um, judge, oh, oh my! This is my editor in the comments. You might know. <laughs> oh, oh, Very good. Don't judge a buck by the cover. Okay, there. Yeah, we passed that. Kind of, like, we were still focusing. Focus. We, okay. We, oh, so okay. at the end of the book, one character feels like she's owed something by the other character, and this is what she's thinking. You gonna do me like this? Uh, um. Uh, I'll. <laughs> Every I did for you. Yes, but <laughs> after everything, after I did, everything I did for you. Hey, one more, hey. one more, one more. Kylie, we the team. You started, I finished it. You one finished more, it, I started. More. So okay. This is what comes to mind when you think of Black Tamara, and it's about people who look like you aren't always related to you. All skin folk and. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I told you I needed more help. I love you. You I was so afraid. And then I, I panicked. Like, it was like, I love him so much. Like I couldn't perform. <laughs> okay. The pressure is real. And I don't know why she don't just warn people that this But the fact y'all didn't get cream, I'm going to text y'all in the middle of the night. You Ashley. don't know what cream <laughs> No, I, I know how to make it. But here's he the thing. was just talking about how fit. Nothing man is. Okay, here we go. You are playing with two people who haven't left the house in a year. And then that. And also so I was negative that. three when cream came out, but that's okay. We're gonna let it go. Okay. So now let's open it up to our question and answer portion. And what we're gonna do, I'm gonna feed um Alexis some questions in the chat. 
Okay, sounds and good. And so you guys, I see some of you are um, asking your questions in the chat box. That's cool too. But there's also a Q&A box if you're interested. So give me one second. Man, oh, this book we kind of just answered, or this question we just answered, but mm -hmm. let me give it to you. You saw it, Alexa? Uh -huh, the one in the Q&A? Yeah, I just threw it yeah. to you. Yeah. Um... I'm just going to send you uh, some of the listeners' questions in the chat box, and then go ahead and shoot them out at Kylie. Okay, How much Kylie. time do we have? Like, three seconds? Uh, no, no, we have time. Okay. And I'll post some more. Okay, so we kind of answered this. Um, would love to know what you guys are reading or what books you've loved lately. I've been a lot better about reading this year. I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a show and tell really quickly. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I can. Hang on. Okay. Okay. Um, I just did an event with Donnie, author of. Okay. Survival. Where's mine? Yes. <laughs> Super talented. We went to grad yes. together. Um, oh, cool. Also read Another Country by Dame James Baldwin. This was oh, cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. He's got a way of writing that's not preachy, but it's preaching. Yes. <laughs> it's like yelling at you. And I'm like, why are you yelling at me? I'm glad. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yelling at me. Um, yeah. uh, this is the book that inspired a lot of Such a Fun Age. Uh, oh, the cool. graph is in the beginning. It's okay. a sociologist who studied rich people in New York City. And now we're- Oh, cool. cool. I want your friends. Uneasy Street, right? Uneasy Street, you got it. And then this is what I'm reading right now called Superhost by Kate okay. And Maybe I heard about this one. Is this like an Airbnb situation? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. So those like are like a scary Airbnb. No, even though I love. Oh, I would love a scary book right about <laughs> That's that. What actually, saying. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to write the scary Airbnb one. Not right. Oh, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> okay, okay, I got another question. What is your next book about? I'm figuring that out every day, <laughs> a little bit. But you know, I was just talking to a friend about this. Obviously, the debut is a big deal. It's your first one out of the gate, but I really want to be in this for the long run. And I, mm -hmm. I like to see it as the first out, like, you know, on Project Runway when they're like, be cohesive in your collection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to like take risks, but also have people be like, oh, that's like, that's Kylie's her book. style. Yes, exactly. And I think I'm learning about my style and my style is definitely tiny moments mm -hmm. that you can't stop thinking about later. It's money mm -hmm. and class for sure. But I also really love in between jobs that people mm -hmm. are like, oh, but you're not going to do this for forever or whatever. I love mm -hmm. like entry level or like those jobs that people think that you shouldn't be doing forever. So people think you shouldn't be doing forever. That's incredible. And we're saying um, such a fun age talks about money, which it does, but I just want to make it clear. It's not talking about dollars and cents and comparing like cash flow. It's talking about like, how money affects your place in society and how yeah. one character specifically has all the tools she needs to succeed in a capitalist society. Not the tools she needs to be happy, but the tools she needs to be quote unquote successful. And there's one thing she realizes she, two things, a few things she uh -huh. can't buy. And that boggles her mind. Boggles her. Yeah. It's so funny because people, you know, are like oh, that moment where the guy said the N word. Oh my God. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, but America literally can't go to the doctor. Like mm -hmm. what if something happens to her? Like there's many other things also. There's a lot mm -hmm. of other things going on. Yeah. All related to adulting. I got you one more question, Alexis. Uh, I have a cup, a few of them in here. Okay. And what's one hobby you still do and one you quickly dropped in 2020? Oh, that's I love that. One. Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. Okay, okay. Is that a hobby? I struggle so much with hobbies because I'm like, what? Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> like, if I love watching scary movies, is that a hobby? Am I good at it? 
do I get <laughs> Wait, wait, Kylie, I know what you about to say. Does it make you any money? Right? Oh my goodness. Oh, so I don't okay. Let me think of a hobby that I've always done. Um, it might sound silly, but I love going for long walks. I just love like that's yeah. like when, like I think about writing and like clear my head and just mm-hmm. walking. Um, something that I started doing in 2020 just makes me sad. I studied German when I was writing such a fun age. I took it at the University of Iowa and I loved it. And it was this perfect cool. way of getting my mind to think differently first thing in the morning. And so I loved doing that. And my husband speaks German, so it was just like this great thing. And then in 2020, I found a tutor who lives in Germany and would meet three times a week and practice. I was terrible at it, but it was fine. But unfortunately, I started getting a weird relationship to screens and I had to take a break for now. But yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this summer I will go back. I think if you are a writer, that's another really great thing to do is try to learn another language and just look at work a different way. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I also learned a little German when I was like in the eighth grade. (laughs) I did not know. Yeah. Same, Alexa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. German. Okay, I can count to something. But for any writer, I, um, we re- okay. Let me acknowledge that. That's cool, Alexis. You, oh, thank that's you. awesome. We have we 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 know. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, we read a book last year called uh, what's that dictionary book? Oh, ooh, that was a great the Secret book. Life of Dictionaries. Yes. Um. And just like language helps you think about English in another way. And um, I, I just love that tip for writers and anyone that speaks a language. Learning another language helps you appreciate the intricacies of English because we can get lazy in the way we speak it. And there are different things you can do to say the same thing or say things differently. And uh, learning a language teaches you that. Oh, yeah. There's I love that. something about... Uh, this is going to sound strange, but there's something about being bad at something that really helps my brain. Mm-hmm. Just like ah. Not doing the same thing over and over again. Right before Such a Fun Age came out, I was so nervous and I like couldn't like move my body and function. And I started oh. this really difficult workout classes called Thrive at my gym. And I was so bad at them. <laughs> it just gave me an hour to just be bad at something. Mm-hmm. And then like the rest of my day, when I'm writing, if I'm like, oh, I don't like that sentence. I'm like, whatever, I'll fix it later. But I got it down. And it's just mm-hmm. like so much of writing is being comfortable with your writing being trash for like a long time before. Oh, wow. I love That's that. Cool. <laughs> I've got another question. One thing in the book I love is the New York versus Philly um, and Alex mindset, right? Aleeks, Aleeks. Okay, it's Aleeks. And the fact that she's missing her friend group. Why were those elements important to her mental state in the book? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's funny because I've lived in New York and Philly, and it's so funny how so many people see Philly as like a little sister to Mm. New York. And I really play with that relationship because for Amira, this is like the big city where she's like, I'm becoming an adult. And Alex is like, oh, well, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I can do whatever I want here. And I liked seeing Philadelphia from two outsiders perspective, but you know, Alex is lonely and she is such a victim of seeing her job next to her worth. And she's like, well, if I'm not with everyone else, how am I like, what, what am I worth right now? Like, mm-hmm. Am I without my job? And, mm-hmm. and I fully believe that you are not your job. But Alex unfortunately doesn't have people around her, like encouraging her to, to find something to believe in that isn't her her worth. And so Alex makes a lot of mistakes, but she's also super lonely and she moves to Philly and her mm-hmm. husband's like, have fun with childcare, see you later. Exactly, because Keith now has his um, greatest, best job. I mean, he didn't get the one in big New York, in right? Pond. But yeah. he's like big, he's big. So he's living his best life. And like, yeah. go on now. Exactly. With them children's, yeah. With them children's, yes. With them mm-hmm. children. Okay, another question. Would you write a sequel to Such a Fun Age? Close the door, chapter done, send it out. It's over. Okay, done. Check mark. Yeah. I just feel like as a writer, you have to challenge yourself 
and do something different and, and get uncomfortable and, and, and move on from those things. And so a huge part of my writing process is interviewing people, reading books about the thing, like looking up a movie or talking to a person. Like, I just want to keep encouraging myself to completely dive into a world that I know nothing about. And oh, so okay. as much as I love, have I, let me think of my favorite sequels. I mean, Jurassic Park 2 was really good. That was hey, really and good. one. Mm. Great book and movie. It was so good. But I feel like mm-hmm. that's rare. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cap mm-hmm. it here. It is rare. You're right. I agree. But I love it. <laughs> um, okay, another question. You, you know, the audience has questions for you. Yeah, guys. now we're like, okay. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> a, we got time, though. We still okay. have time. Do you have any advice for aspiring writers who recently graduated college? First question, how do you find your way, next steps in your journey as a writer? Third question, is going to grad school for creative writing worth it? Ooh, I love this. Oh, you know, we didn't really talk about um, Iowa. Can you please tell us a little bit about that too as you answer this question? If you yes. don't mind. Okay, obviously I only have the one perspective to speak of. I'm just gonna speak on it. But it's like the best perspective. <laughs> okay. like we were like Alexis and I were talking about earlier finding a job that sets you up to write properly is huge and so whatever that thing is for four years I worked at a children's birthday party studio and I loved it and I also had time to write on the side as well and so I think finding that job that sets you up financially and allows you to do your thing when you're at home is mm-hmm. really great. I wanted to be in a job that like capped the hours. I tried mm-hmm. working at a few restaurants, but like at restaurants, it's like, you don't know when you're going home. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, right. Really frustrating. So an mm-hmm. office was better for me in that way. I had seven years between graduating from school and going to grad school. I felt like that was a really great decision. Oh, seven. Mm-hmm. Did you say seven years? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, went to, okay. I went to grad school. I turned 30 and then that's the year I went to grad school. Okay. When I went, especially for what I want to write about, which is work, I remember I turned in an office. Dr- oh my God, Simplexity. You guys just like listen to it. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I turned it in and you- That's old work. <laughs> very old work. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's very good. Short story, Simplexity, part of an Amazon series available now. Right. I turned it in and listen, they were, I, it was an interesting workshop, but one kid in there who I like was like writing me my feedback. And he was like, Hey, I've never had a job before. So take this with a grain of salt, but like, <laughs> I'm going to take it with the whole salt box. I'm saying. So it's like, I feel like you're getting so much experience of like what you like and what you want to write about. And so taking some time in between can be really great. And a lot of people treat grad school like a continuation of undergrad, which means they just like party and they mm-hmm. leave two years with like two short stories. And I'm that's like, the most expensive party ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. To my third point, this is a hot take. I'm saying, <laughs> do not go to grad school unless they're paying you to do it. Ooh. Sorry, just got to make sure like no one needs us to write. Like we are not firefighters. You need to remind yourself all the time. You are not a firefighter. Like find a program that will pay you a really small stipend. So you do not go into debt and, and do that. So when I was at grad school, I had one part-time job and then I had a stipend from school and I wanted to teach. And so I applied to programs that would let you teach to earn your stipend as well. Mm-hmm. And so that is my advice. I loved grad school. I just, I wrote my butt off. And it was mm-hmm. really cold and fun. And so I totally recommend it if you are not paying for it. That's my advice. And the Iowa Writers um, Program is so cool because you have peers who are examining your work and giving you feedback in real time. But you can like low budget um, create writers groups yeah. that will do that also. I feel like that's what Toni Morrison did till she was like 40 and wrote her first book or published her first book. Um, so you can create those communities of fellow writers to feed off of that you trust, you know? Yeah, that's 100%. I, two writers that I met there, I'm constantly sending them oh, things. Oh, that's awesome. And it's just like, for simplexity, I remember I gave it to my girlfriend, Mel, who's super talented. And I remember I was freaking out and she goes, okay, first of all, you're fine. Second of all, <laughs> let's get to work. Now let's work. <laughs> I love the ending of that story, by the way, too, is very real. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So I do recommend grad school. Just don't go into debt doing it. Is my Mm -hmm. I think that's excellent advice. Um, We have a question. Another question in the screen adaptation of the book. Who plays Alix? Peter, 
And a ask that question. They asking and the question. It's a mirror, right? It's a mirror, right? A mirror. Yeah, no, a mirror. Um, I can't. I can't say nothing. <laughs> wait, None no, of your coming. business. Whoever asked that, you just wait. <laughs> oh, that's not what you meant. I want to know too. <laughs> oh, that's not what you meant. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, listen. Obviously, COVID has set so many things back, but mm. we are working. We have a really great team, and I hope that we will be in the position to like see people in person and figure out who all these people will be. Um, I, you know, am trying not to be too precious because I feel like the best adaptations are a little different. Then the book and really highlight uh, the story on screen. So I'm trying not to be too precious. All I care about, like Amira needs to be a dark-skinned woman. Mm, I all I really okay. care about because that that the plot hinges on that. And mm-hmm. so many times you read a book and you read about someone, you see him on screen, and you're like, oh, she was mixed because <laughs> she was ambiguous. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess everybody ambiguous. <laughs> Exactly. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point. But I'm happy to say that my team feels the same. And so, yeah, um, hopefully oh. very soon. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and this is the final question that's in here. So if you have another question, shoot it out. And if I should check the chat box, I'll do that after I ask <laughs> this question. Do you think the pandemic has changed your writing routine permanently in any ways for better or for worse? Worse, not worse. Oh my goodness. I'm like, that is my friend Megan. I, I was like, someone knows me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Megan is a fantastic writer and friend. Yes. So what? Hey, friend. Uh, okay. Good. <laughs> Megan is that friend who I'm sending her voice notes all day long. Be like, okay, you know, when this happened, am I normal? Tell me like, she is that. Oh, I love that. Which is really, really important. So this has been a really, really big pandemic as I have switched to writing by hand. Uh, that has been oh no don't do that (laughs) (laughs) so that one wait how are you organized why are you doing that and then are you typing it out I have a really sweet friend from Iowa oh that's cool she is typing it out for me every Sunday so I send everything out just because screens were I'm guys screens are not good for us like I think I'm not Mm -hmm. the one that was Mm -hmm. just really responding to it and so I write everything out on index cards every paragraph is on an index card. you're making me so nervous can you change the subject (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm thinking Alexis is um What's his name? The, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of uh, when things Adam fall apart, all, uh, yeah. things fall apart and how he lost the uh, longhand book version the first yep. time. Yep. That's going to be Kylie. No, no, because I give them to my friend <laughs> and then two days later they're in the internet. And okay. Okay. But I will okay, say cool. it's good because when I'm laying everything out, if something's off, I'm you not going to move it. Mm-hmm. I just move it around. Or if I'm like, oh, I only have three index cards to work on. I don't panic. And so writing by hand is something that I've started, which is who knows if I'll keep it up. But, but yeah. So this is on like what size index card? The larger <laughs> size? Three by five. I'm this beautiful mind up in there. You know what, Kyle? We're gonna get you some help. You know, just go for a walk. <laughs> Whoa. It'll be fine. It's an intense situation over here. I'm still trying to show y'all pictures of these things, but no, I'm gonna say no, them. no, it's cool. <laughs> well, send them to us privately. I wanna see them. Okay. I mean, Obviously I wanna it's see working. that. It's beautiful. I mean, wow. <laughs> Oh, well, there's Danielle, I think. Yes, Danielle, that my oh. team has been over here kicking with y'all <laughs> for the past. I forgot it was minutes. people on this call. Yeah. Hey, Danielle, girl, what you doing? I literally <laughs> just had that, like, oh my God, what have I been saying? I've just been talking. Oh, wait. <laughs> so I am so grateful for y'all taking the time to like hop in. I see we got a couple more questions. I want y'all to go ahead and round that out. This is not okay. Your- I am not the same man, but, <laughs> but just keeping track of time. Okay. Okay. All right. Here's a question. Why do you choose to include a character like Tamara? Tamara. Tamara. Sorry. Black Tam. I got to say Black Tamara. Otherwise, I don't know how to say it. Black Tamara. Well, you know what? Tamara was doing, accomplishing a lot. I'm sure as you guys can see, you know, Alex and Amira, I used, I like using a lot of stereotypes 
and what they're expected to do and bending and twisting them a little bit. So in Amira's friend group, there's the momish friend, mm-hmm. there's the say it like it is friend. And then I wanted to play with the magical Negro character that we've seen so much of. Mm-hmm. Ah. And wait, wait, who was the magical Negro? Tamra. She is she, that person. She's is that she person. even Negro? <laughs> First off, is she Negro? She is that person to Alex. Alex no, she, you are blowing my mind. I'm sorry. Yes, Kylie, I see it. She I'm is trying to make herself that character in Alix's life. Yes. That's crazy. Wow. I'm sorry. And, and whenever, and she doesn't just need to be Black for that. Alex is like, not only is she Black, she's a principal. She's a high earner. Look at her little girls. If she says it's okay, then it must be okay for yep. me. And so she's looking to her, you know, to confirm a lot of things for her. And so Tamara comes in and she's like, oh, Amira, we got to fix this girl. But Fred Hampton said, we have a capitalist in our midst. Sometimes he's white, sometimes he's black. They are on different playing fields. And Tamara, you know, does something that I feel like so many black women have experienced with like their mom's friend, where she's like, not only are you holding you back, but you're holding all of us back. Mm -hmm. Like you just wanting to live your life is like not okay. And so I was really excited to put Amira in the same room with Tamara. Partially because I love dog, and I think the most cringy code switching is high income black people pretending like they're down. (laughs) Please stop it. I hated that scene. I hated it. I was so, yes, very cringeworthy. Very, very cringeworthy. (laughs) So how long is your real hair? I just, just, (laughs) like, why? Who are you? Get out. Get out. I, I, I remember this bringing it back. You had to like be regular. Just, be regular. <laughs> just, just calm down. Regular. So I was super excited to put her in the room. And I was so excited that on book tour, so many black women were like, this is my mom's friend, Denise. How dare you put her there? <laughs> How dare you spy on us during our personal family times? Exactly, exactly. I was excited to show black people in all of their, you know, respectability politics and classes and, and expressions. And so, but I also think women like Tamara exist and she provides this, you know, bomb for Alex to do, to do as she pleases. And so, mm. I, wow, that's, we've wow. met a time or two. <laughs> yeah. Do I have time for this last One more, can you do one more quickly? Yeah, you guys have. Okay, as a writer... Are there themes or ideas, for lack of a better word, that are non-negotiable for you? Um, not wanting to focus too heavily on trauma, the kinds of characters you're interested in exploring, et cetera. And then the follow-up is also, how did you decide this story would be third person over first person when you look so closely into the character's feelings, world view? I really love this, especially the latter part of it. Go ahead. That is a writer asking that question. Yeah. Very clear. So that's a great question. Uh, the first part of it, there's like there's like a petty part of it where there's just like little things that like I'll never do, like I'll never, right? Like, I don't know, like an old white man professor hooking up with like a 19-year-old, like I'm just never going to do that. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of me that's like certain oh, stories have already mm-hmm. been told and I just don't think we need to do them. We never need to see a woman at the beginning of a book looking into a mirror being like, I'm ugly. And then she's mm-hmm. like, well, Great. <laughs> you know I mean? We just don't need that anymore. Um, but in terms of things, especially are not- with that pose, I'm ugly. <laughs> but it happens, and I'm like, this it is- does. It does. But as far as things that I won't write about, honestly, there is not much that I won't write about. Is if it's a part of human behavior. Mm-hmm. I have had some women say to me, like, it really bothered me that you had Alex focusing on her weight in this book, like that really bothered me. And the thing is, as soon as you're saying like, okay, I won't do these, you're saying I won't do like everything. Some women freak out about their weight and that happens. And so I try to make sure that if it's a part of human behavior, that it's on the table for me. Um, I've never written, I love horror movies, but I've never written about someone who dies. <laughs> but for right now, pretty much if it's part of human behavior, it's it's on the table for me. And then in terms of what tense, third person close is just where I feel really good at. I think third person close is where you also get that thriller part because you're only seeing it through one person's mm. eyes. Um, mm. I think first person is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, Hallie Butler is one of my favorite writers and I think she does first person so amazing 
I, I'm not there yet. Um, so I tried, I like telling a third person close because you get to find the words that that character would use, even though they're not using them in their dialogue. All right. So first person is I am, um, I, I, I am the POV. <clears throat> so the way Kylie writes is she is um, like more above it all, explaining what's going on with each character and the dialogue between people. Right. But when you're in third person close, like I can never write anything from Amira's perspective that she can't see. So if like, you know, she, if I can't start talking about, you know, the things that spilled on her shoes that she doesn't know it's there. It's mm. all from her and you're all with her the whole time. And I think that that just keeps your read so personal and, and wonderful. Um, maybe I'll do first person when I wait. Kari, I know you write. Where do you write from? First oh my goodness. <laughs> depressed. Uh, so I have one story that I've worked on for a million years and it goes back and forth because I want it to be very intimate. But then I'll read someone who does first person chef's kiss and I'm like, Okay, but it ain't as good as theirs. Or the world is not explained in each scene as well as they're explaining it through the eyes of one character. I don't know how you do that. So I think I will have to um, write a skeleton that's more third. Um, But I really would like, I I would like the intimacy of a first person. And I like it when you can't trust the person whose heads you're you're in um, and unreliable narrators. You don't like it? You always complain about that. Let's not make this about me. This is the Kylie Reid interview. <laughs> okay, I just, I'm just going to record that. This is recorded, right? Because All right, and it looks like we're... <laughs> Thank y'all so much, all so the attendees. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Lit Society Podcast. This has been the dopest uh, event. So y'all make sure y'all go get that paperback that just dropped yesterday. I'm semicolon in Chicago if you're there. The only black woman owned bookstore. You can also buy it online. (laughs) Don't forget. You can buy it online. You can buy it online. However, however y'all want to get it, support Kylie and run it up. So thank y'all so much for being here. I'm sure y'all enjoyed the convo. It has been recorded. Y'all will have access to this convo to watch and laugh and catch some of these references (laughs) y'all might not have gotten. (laughs) So thank you, ladies. Thank you so much, Lit Society. Thank you so so much. Thank you, Kylie. Next time in person, would love to see you guys. Oh, can't wait till that opportunity comes. (laughs) Thank Thank you so much. Bye. Ladies, bye.